Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So this is week two of the Fixer Upper series. And um, it's amazing how often throughout Scripture, both the Old Testament and New Testament, how often this analogy of building a house is used to uh, to talk about how we build our lives, how we build our families. And last week we started this um, with the idea of foundations, that the most important thing about the life that you're building is the foundation that you're building it on. And Jesus said that there's no greater foundation than this, that you hear these words of mine and put them into practice. That it's not enough to just listen, it's not enough to just study or even memorize or agree with it, but it's how you put it into practice that it becomes foundational to your life. And so his words, his teachings are the greatest, strongest foundation you can have for your life. And, and it's to be able to, um, to do the things that he has said to do. And so that was the foundation. Today we're going to be talking about, because it's Father's Day, we're going to be talking about families. This is another one of those key areas that needs constant maintenance, um, sometimes a little remodeling and sometimes a complete overhaul. Um, but if you're here as a dad, I particularly want to address fathers today. Um, because it's been my experience that moms, they kind of have a natural affinity to raising their kids and loving on their kids. And us dads, we're a little, a little thick, you know. We need a little bit of extra instruction, a little bit more direction to it. So, um, so it's primarily to fathers, but not just fathers. It's for any parent here um, because it's an incredibly important task. But I think for dads particularly, when people hear about a heavenly father so often their picture of God is going to be what they got from you as a father. And so I think it's especially incumbent upon us as fathers. Now, I'm through the father days. I'm in the grandparent days, which is a really incredible thing because when you're a grandparent, you get to look and see your kids deal with the stuff that you had to deal with with them. And that's the great payoff because now you just get to sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and my, my daughter was talking about, you know, her daughter who is like a carbon copy of her. I mean, just like almost, I, I call her Erin sometimes. She's so much like her. And, uh, you know, she's talking about dealing with her. Oh, she's always, you know, yeah, I remember someone just like that, you know. Um, so, it, and it's, it's, so if you are a parent, um, it's an incredibly important job. And I know not everybody here is a parent. And um, let me just say, I think the things that we're going to talk about today, you can, you can view through your lens of your current reality because the things are, are principles of our Heavenly Father toward us. Um, and a couple of things I also want to say is um, I'm not speaking to someone who did it all perfectly or got it right every single time. I made more than my share of mistakes. Um, but there are some godly principles and some godly wisdom that we can gather uh, when it comes to raising our kids. Um, Dr. Tim Kimmel, not Jimmy Kimmel, Tim Kimmel, uh, actually wrote a book about um, grace-based parenting, and he, and he starts in the introduction, he says, parenting is like being given a giant jigsaw puzzle, only somebody has removed all of the border pieces, <laughs> and then someone else came along and threw in some pieces from another puzzle that have nothing to do with your picture, and on top of that, we've lost the box cover, so we have no idea what this is supposed to look like when we're done. Any parent relate to that at all? Yeah, Okay. So today we're going to give some godly wisdom, and it's going to come from the Proverbs. And Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, and it's another one of those analogies, says, um, By wisdom a house is built. Through understanding it is made secure 
and through knowledge its rooms are filled with priceless and beautiful things. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. And Proverbs gives us that kind of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And I'm going to say a couple of things. First off, because we're going to look primarily in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs are not promises. It's really important that you understand that because sometimes people read a proverb and it says, this, you do this and this will be the result. And then when you don't get that result, you say, wait a minute, that was a promise. It's not a promise, okay? It's not the same thing. A proverb is godly wisdom that says, if you follow these principles, these godly principles, these godly wise principles, it gives you the best opportunity for a positive outcome. It's not a promise. It's just simply saying, these are godly principles that will pretty much give your life the best direction it could possibly get. And so when we talk about in terms of parenting, understand, I I have known what I thought to be some of the best parents in the world whose kids made some really poor decisions. And I've seen some parents who I thought would just like have no clue and their kids turn out to be great, okay? So there's no guarantees in any of this, but these are some godly principles. Last thing I want you to know is um, that these are our principles that I think are four essentials. They are not everything you need to know about parenting, but there are four things that I think that, that are spoken about in, in the book of Proverbs that are essentials that if you could do these four things, it's going to help an awful lot in your parenting, okay? So we're going to look at them. Um, there's four essentials, they're, and they're, they're, they're all four important in every stage of raising your children, but I think some are more specific to certain ages, And I'm giving them to you. They all begin with D, so they're easy for you to remember, okay? So with all of that, what we're going to do is talk about these essentials. The first essential is this. As a parent, your first essential is to instill discipline. And and this is primarily in those first four to five years. Um, In fact, pretty much in those first four to five years, that's about all you do, okay? It's discipline. Um, and, And Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. That sounds really ominous, okay? But what he's saying is if you would discipline your children, if you will instill these things, particularly when they are young, you are giving them the best possible outcome from their life. You are investing in their future because that's what hope is all about. And if you can invest these things into your children, instill them into them, um, hopefully it will keep them from making reckless choices that will lead to self-destructive behavior down the road. That's in essence what he's saying there. And it's laying a groundwork, if you will, for their future. It's all about hope. Um, Discipline is an act of love. There's a big difference between discipline and punishment. Okay? Discipline, the motive for discipline is love. The motive behind punishment is pretty much payback. Okay? Um, The focus, the focus of discipline is always toward the future. Whereas the focus of punishment is really on the past, what you did wrong. I'm punishing you for what you did. The focus or the uh, uh, discipline promotes a relationship where um, punishment really promotes fear more than anything else. And in discipline, it results in correction. Punishment pretty much results in bitterness. There's a big difference between the two. And if all you're doing is punishing, you've missed the point. Discipline is about the future. It's about love. It's about investing. It's about building a relationship. Because in 21 years or however, you want them to be like your best friends. You want your kids to still love you. You do that through disciplining them. 
It's an act of love. Proverbs 13, 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now, the goal in discipline is this. It is to raise them to be self-disciplined adults. That's the goal of discipline, that they would be self-disciplined. The problem is they're not interested in becoming self-disciplined adults. So your job is to instill the discipline in them in those early ages, because that's what you're doing. What you're doing is you're providing them boundaries. And the two words, for each of these, I'm going to give you two words that kind of help clarify them. When it comes to discipline, the two words are this. They are love and limits. It's about love. And, and your kids are kids. You've got to let them be kids. And because they're kids, they're going to make mistakes. And you want them to know you love them no matter what the mistakes they might make. Okay? It's about love. But also limits says it's about boundaries. Life is filled with boundaries. Everybody is going to have boundaries throughout their life. And so you are setting the boundaries for them at the early age. That's what discipline is really all about. And the the discipline should be appropriate. Now, when we raised our kids, we did use spanking, okay? But we used it sparingly. And, and I, I don't know, not everybody agrees with that whole thing about spanking, but, but I, I, think, I think there's an appropriate use of spanking, especially when children are younger and you can't reason with them, okay? But I also think too often it's an it's, it's a, it's a easy, easy fix. You know, it's just a quick swat, and that doesn't accomplish what you want to accomplish when it comes to discipline. So I think if you do spank, it should be done sparingly. There's a whole lot of other more uh, creative ways of disciplining. But remember, the goal is love and limits, okay? That's the idea. You want to instill in them self-discipline for down the road. Second essential is to provide your children direction. And I think this comes more in that ages five to 10, um, before they become teenagers. You're, you're, You're giving them some direction for your life. Discipline is about boundaries, okay? Um, Direction is about guidance and, and, and movement forward. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, in the way they should go has to do with understanding each child's uniqueness because every child is different. We had two children, different as night and day. It amazes me how using the basic same DNA pool, we ended up with two kids who were so drastically different. One of our kids was incredibly strong-willed. She would... I gave it away. Um, okay, she was just strong-willed. She, was, she, was, she pushed the limits. All, even when she, before she was one year old, she, um, she would, we had a high chair. We had this old-fashioned high chair, wooden high chair. You know, it didn't have the strap or anything in it. And so she would, as soon as she learned to stand, she would stand. She would stand up in her high chair. And we would always have to kind of, Aaron, sit down. You know, don't stand in your high chair. Sit down. Sit down. And we'd kind of reach in, pull the feet out, guide her down, and sit her down. And she'd stand back up again. And we'd sit down, sit down. It got to the point she would stand up in her high chair and she would say, sit down, sit down, sit down. <laughs> She knew the words. She just wasn't going to obey, you know? When, when, she was, when, she was, uh, uh, when she started driving and she got her own car and we had a curfew for her, and, and she would invariably, just to prove that she was in control, she would come in one minute late from her curfew, you know? She would just intentionally do that. She was just strong-willed. Our son, on the other hand, was completely the opposite. He was so easygoing, so compliant, so... 
um, avoiding confrontation at any cost. I mean, just like the exact opposite. I don't think he got even half the spankings that his older sister got. Maybe that's why. He just saw everything that happened to her. He says, I don't want any part of that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> Completely different. We had to figure out how to channel each of them in a whole different way. Both of them found their own path. Our daughter, that strong-willed one, she's someone, even to this day, don't tell her she can't do something because she'll do it just to prove, her, prove you wrong. She has not one but with her husband now, a second business that they've started. She's just, that's her. She's just, she's an entrepreneur. She's out there. She's doing, and she's doing like incredible things in her business. Just incredible thing. Blows me away. Now, our son chose a whole different path. And he kind of needed a little bit of goading and, and urging and prodding along the way. But he got to the point where he actually, he and his wife moved to Rome, spent three years studying to become a master tailor. That's what he does now. He is pursuing his passion. And both of them had to find their path, but they had to find it in a different way. And the guidance that we gave to one would, would not have worked on the other one. So you gotta, here's what you got to do. You got to become a student of your child. If you're going to give them guidance, it's about understanding who they are. And it's providing the tools that they can be able to make their own decisions. Proverbs 4, 10 through 12 says, Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths, so that, he says, when you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. I'm giving you the guidance for your good. The two words that has to do with direction are observation and instruction. Observation. Get to know your kids. Understand them. Their unique personalities, their unique gifts and talents. For us, most of that happened in our family. Most of that happened around the dinner table. We would, we would have, long after we'd finished dinner, we'd just hang around the table and talk. And that's where I learned the most about our kids and what they were dealing with and what they were struggling with. I don't know what works for you, but, but find those places where you can have those kind of conversations and not just talk at them, but listen to them. Get to know them and get to understand them. Find their strengths and their unique gifts and talents and, 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 and succeed with them. Celebrate their successes. Look for those teachable moments and use them. It's all about providing guidance. Third essential task is to encourage determination, okay? Um, actually, the better word would be confidence, but that doesn't start with a D, so I use determination. But it's, what it's doing is it's equipping them to, for life on their own. And this is in the teenage years, okay? In the teenage years, that's what you want to do. You want to build in them confidence. Now, let me say, do not stop disciplining <laughs> Because you still have to do it. I've been parents say, well, they're grown up now. You know, I can't really do anything with them. Yes, you can. And they need that. They still need the discipline. They still need the guidance. But what happens in the teenage years is there's a shift, a bit of a, a subtle shift from being kind of the rule enforcer. And it's less about rules and more about, more about coaching. It's more about decision making. I, I know when our kids were um, teenagers... And uh, we would still have to discipline them from time to time. And they weren't happy with us, you know. And they were angry and upset and bothered. And why would? And, and, and I remember just saying to them all the time, you know what? It's not my job to be your friend. That's a really good line, by the way, parents of teens. You can use that one, okay? Not my job to be your friend. 
My job is to get you through this stage in your life, okay? And you need a little bit of more guidance. You need a little bit more discipline right now. But, but it becomes less about rules and more about choices and equipping them to make those choices. And it's reaffirming actually the things that you've already been instilling. Proverbs 3, 21. This is the words he wrote to his son. Solomon wrote to his son. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you. Then you will go your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. It's all about instilling them with confidence. Letting them make their own decisions and they will make bad decisions. And here's the thing. Let them suffer the consequences of their bad decisions. Because as a parent, sometimes we just want to go in and we want to bail them out. We want to cover for them. We want to rescue them. We want to save them. And, And the thing is they will never learn that there are consequences to bad decisions unless you let them suffer the consequence. And it's better that they suffer the consequences when the stakes aren't so high than later on in life. So that's one of the principles in in developing that. Um, Two words here on this one are challenge and encourage. Give them challenges. Don't make things easy for them. Don't bail. Let them fail. Let them find out those things. Let them make those mistakes. Um, Let them struggle with things. Don't provide the easy answers. Because anybody, anybody in any sport, you know, whether, whether it's running or weightlifting, whatever it is, you know if you have undertaken any kind of athletic um, uh, contest or anything, you know that the only way you get stronger, the only way that you get better is by pushing yourself beyond what you can already do. And that's what you want for your kids. You want to push them a little bit, give them some challenges, make them stretch a little bit, and then encourage them along the way and encourage them even when they fail. Because there's lessons to be learned. Sometimes failure can be the best teacher. You just say, so what can we learn from this experience that we don't repeat it again? Here's another one. Don't give them what they should earn. Don't give them, because life, nobody's going to keep giving them unless you're one of those enabling parents that you keep giving them the rest of their life, which I highly do not recommend, Okay. You got to earn some things. When our kids were, were coming up on graduation, some of their friends got brand new cars for high school graduation. And they looked at us and I went, ain't going to happen. <laughs> you want to get a summer job? You want to earn some money? We'll help you. If you got to get a fixer up or we'll help, I'll work on the car with you. But we're not buying you a car. You know, earn it. And, and you know, by earning their own things, they took better care of them. See, there's something about that. And I think in the teenage years, you're making this transition. You're, it, it, it's a transition because now they're going to start making some decisions for themselves. It's becoming their own person. And, and you can't stop that from happening. You want to encourage it, but you want to continue to give it the guidance and give them the encouragement they need. Proverbs 2, verses 9 and 10. He said, uh, again, writing to his son, Solomon says, You will understand what is right, just, and fair And you will find the right way to go, for wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. Say, listen, I'm giving you this wisdom, I'm giving you this knowledge, I'm giving you this understanding, so that you'll be able to make the right choices. I've given this to you. You'll know, you'll know what's right. You'll know what the right thing to do is. Just follow that. Follow that. It's one of the key essentials that you're going to give your kids. And the last one is this. The fourth essential task 
nurture devotion. It's all about faith. And, and that's, that doesn't start, by the way, as they get past their teenage years. It's what you do all through their life. But now you move to a place where you're no longer a parent. You become more of a peer. And, and it's not so much about guidance and discipline as it is influence. And you still have influence in your kids. You provide them that spiritual foundation in the early stages. And, and, and you can't force your faith on your kids. You can't. They're going to have to, everyone has to make those choices for themselves. But you can plant those seeds in those early years and nurture them all along the way. But more importantly than anything else is that you live it out yourself. Don't leave it up to the church. Now, we have great children's ministries. We've got great student ministries here. We're here to help and assist parents. But for one or two hours a week, we can't do what you can possibly do for all the time that you have with them. You invest in them. And you let them see your life of faith lived out. When Moses gave the law to the people of Israel, he gave these instructions to parents. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, live it. Live it out. Live it out. Don't leave it up to a Sunday school teacher or a youth worker. You live it out. When, when, we, um, when I first felt God was leading me into pastoral ministry, and that's what I was going to do for a vocation, um, and Betty and I were talking about it, and we had our first child, our daughter. Um, one of the great concerns that we had, um, because we had known pastors' kids leave the faith and rebel against church and all that because of their experiences. And, and we just determined we would never make that a reason. If we made a choice as a family, there were certain things we did or didn't do. And our kids always say, well, how come they get to do that? How come we don't do that? Our answer would never be because you're a pastor's kid and you have to set an example. We, we said we, that would never be a reason. Our reason would be because we as a family have made this decision. This is the choices that we have made. This is our family. This is our family values. And that was the way we always left it. And we never, we never used being a pastor's kid a reason for anything. And, and, and I was so happy that our kids had no idea that they were pastor's kids or PKs until they were in teenage years. And one of my daughter's friends came to her one day and said, well, so what's it like being a PK? And she said, a what? She said, a PK, you know, a pastor's kid. She goes, I don't know. He's just my dad. <laughs> and that was one of our goals. Um, the other thing is when we, when we moved here to um, plant Northgate 25, 26 years ago now, um, we came from a church in San Francisco that had a great kids program, great Sunday school, great children's ministries. And one of, one of, another great concern that we had with, because our, our daughter was going into third grade, our son was going into first grade when we moved here, and we knew that it would be years before we had any kind of a children's ministry, a meaningful children's ministry as a church. And one of my greatest concerns was that they were going to miss out on all those great Sunday school lessons and the Bible teaching that I got when I was a kid growing up. But what I learned was when they saw the steps of faith that we took, they learned more about walking by faith than they would from a lifetime of Sunday school lessons. And that's the deal. It's, you live it out. You live it out and they see it work out in your life. Long after they have forgotten all of those lectures that you gave them, they will remember the life that you lived. About 15 years ago, one Father's Day, my kids gave me this coffee mug. Um, 
It's kind of cute. It says on the outside, Dad, thanks to your lectures, I never change horses in the middle of a job worth doing. I know the squeaky wheel always gets the worm, and I never count my chickens until they've walked a mile in their shoes. <laughs> and then on the inside of the cup, it says, and you thought I wasn't listening. <laughs> All those wonderful lectures you gave, they're not going to remember. I don't remember a single lecture my dad gave me. What I do remember is his life. He was a carpenter. He was a hard-working man, building contractor, put in long hours, hard work, strong man, rugged man, but he had a tender heart to God. And I choke up sometimes. I get that from my dad. <laughs> because when I would see him serve in ministry, and I would see his heart for God, that made up for more than any lecture, any lecture. Those are the things that have stayed with me. In his business, as a dad, as a husband, as an employer, and just everything about him, he lived his faith in every aspect of his life. And that, dad, is the best gift you can give your kids. Two words on this one, model and counsel. Model it, live it out. Even, even when you make the mistakes and even when you fail, let them see that and let them know you understand I make mistakes too. But model it and, and then counsel because your influence will, study after study has shown the greatest influence on a child's life as they go into adulthood, that over and over again, it was, it was my parents, my mom, my dad. That influence that you have carries far more weight than you think. And there will be times that they will come as an adult and ask for counsel. By the way, don't offer counsel that's not asked for. That doesn't work very well. But your influence on their life will give those opportunities. Do not underestimate the power of that influence. Centuries later, Solomon writes to his son, centuries after Moses gave these words to the nation of Israel, he passes on to his son. Listen, listen to the wording. It sounds almost exactly the same. Bind these things, bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. Do you bow your heads with me? So today I want to close praying for you dads because you have incredible influence. And I have known people who, when I talk about a loving heavenly father, can't fathom that because that's not the picture that they had from their father. It's an incredible responsibility, dads. It is also for you too, moms. And I want to pray for the parents in this room particularly if you are going through a difficult time, if you're in the middle of this parenting thing and it's just hard and you, it's just, you don't know if you can do it anymore, I want to pray for you because what you do in that moment is the most important thing you can do with your life. And maybe you're here and your kid's in a time of struggle right now 
They're making some bad choices and it breaks your heart and you can't do anything about it. I want to pray for you and I want to pray for them as well. And if you're here today and you don't know the love of your heavenly father, here's what you need to know. He's with you. He's for you. He loves you. He stands on your side and wants the best for you. And if you've never put your faith and your trust in him, you can do that today. And it's just admitting your need for him and asking for his forgiveness for those mistakes and those failures and those sins because of his grace expressed through Jesus Christ and the price that he paid on the cross, you can have that kind of a relationship with your heavenly father. And today you can take that first step of faith by simply saying, God, would you take me and make me your son, make me your daughter. Take me the way that I am and put on my trust in you. I want to follow you. Forgive my past. Lead me to a better future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the way that you show it to us in, in your discipline, in your direction, in the confidence that you give us because of your grace and your mercy, and in the faith that we can solidly stand in because of you. Lord, I pray today for dads and moms and grandfathers and grandmothers, wherever they're at. God, would they find the strength that comes from you in that task of raising kids. And for those here today who have lost a father, God, may they find in you that father that carries them through. And for any who would today, for the very first time, say, I want to put my life in your hands. I'm turning over the controls. I'm asking for your forgiveness, for your mercy, for your grace. Lord, make me your son. Make me your daughter. I want to follow you. Lord, take us wherever we're at as we learn to put our faith and our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.